0: All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Ben Bergeron. Now, if you've been around the CrossFit space, you've definitely heard this name. He is the coach for a number of different CrossFit Games athletes. He's the founder of CompTrain that does a variety of different things, including online programming, and he's the founder of CrossFit New England and a partner in CrossFit Tilt. He really has his hands in a variety of different things, and today, we dive into his business. We share insight. You know, it's really important that on this uh, podcast, we always just share, Hey, this is what we have going on. And this is what he had going on. And one of the things I found was really important is he um, proactively shut down his gym. I asked him, you know, what were his thoughts on that? Uh, And I think it's important to kind of reflect on how we initially reacted to COVID. And, um, you know, even though it's only been a couple of months, To reflect on, hey, is there something we would have done differently? And so we talk about that today amongst a variety of other things, including the CrossFit Games changes, which I know some of you, uh, you know, competitive CrossFitters, we're going to love. So, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you guys do me a favor, if you do, you know, take a screenshot. Shoot us a message on Instagram. Shoot us a message out there. Let us know if these are making an impact on you. And as always, would really appreciate a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. I hope you and your family are doing well. I hope business is crushing it as well as it can. And let's get out for an amazing episode with Ben Bergeron. Let's go. All right, Ben. So, um, you know, you and I were talking a minute ago about um, your focus, which, you know, there's the team events in CrossFit, there's Masters events, there's different age groups, I should say, that's the better way of describing it. And then you have individual or open bracket. And, um, you know, you and I both have experience in many different realms, um, and I wanna dive into business, of course. Uh, But before we dive into business, I wanted to talk about the sport of fitness, which, you know, for a lot of people listening, a lot of gym owners, it is a piece, right? Um, and I think 10 years ago is probably a bigger piece than, than yeah, five sure. years ago. And I think it's. When I
1: first small, met you, is a bigger piece.
0: A bigger piece. Yep. So I am curious, though, um, with the games just being individuals, so that's what's slated um, for this year, and with Rich kind of doing his own team thing. Um, I want to just start off right off the bat. Where do you see the CrossFit games? What do you think it's going to be like this year? And then what do you think is going to happen? for future. Do you think we're even going to go back to Madison or, or what do you think is going to happen? I'm really curious.
1: Yeah. Well, to answer those questions really specifically, yes, I think we will go back to Madison. Um, I would prefer we didn't. Um, I am not a fan. I love the town. Um, Do not like the venue. I feel like the, the games took a, um, a really conservative turn when we went to Madison, it seems like, it seems like it seems like a very glorified regionals. You know, it's like, so climate controlled so indoors so on the campus we've when we were in california whether it's aromas or the, like when you were doing it it was like you didn't know if we were going to the mountains you know if we were going to do it like the big beach we didn't know if we, like microwave mountain and like that triathlon like epic right like epic, epic epic like the epicness to me has been diminished so now we do like a cycle cross now we do like um a, you know a another swim paddle event I, it, it's Um, In that instance, I feel like it's gotten way more controlled uh, and way more knowable. The fact we're going back to Aromas this year, um, I I feel like Castro now has been like foaming at the mouth to be able to like, and here's the, here's the cool part about this. is like going back to Aromas, like I've run events and you know, it's, it's hard. The, The more people you have, the more logistically constrained you are. So I understand it. Like. He's programming for all, as you just mentioned, all of these different age groupers, all of these teams, and all of these individuals. Well, now you take all those offense, 30 guys, 30 girls, like, holy crap, like, it just opens up Pandora's box of what's available. Like, you know, you you have one of the most epic stories ever in the history of CrossFit games with that first, you know, like, at the year after you, it was the year after you won, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the very first event was the. 6K trail at the time or something like that? I mean,
0: let's not short. Play. I mean, it was 7K, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And and like the stumbling and then you coming back and like dominating the, the deadlift ladder with no rep. I mean, just that epicness of like, the games used to be like, can you survive it? You know, which you can, you could like, I'm sure if there's a player's union and like uh, someday that they'll put constraints around that and like make sure that the players have safety. But from a, from a, a fan and from a coaching perspective, God, I love the the craziness aspect of it. I feel like we're going to get a lot more of that because logistics aren't constraining anymore. It's super cool.
0: Yeah. With the reduction in, you know, my, my take on it was, and this is just my opinion would have been, don't call it the CrossFit games. This is just my take. Mm-hmm. Don't call it the CrossFit games and crowning the fittest on earth because for because you're, you're pigeonholing yourself for haters to hate, meaning all you could have said is, hey, guys, the CrossFit Games are being put on hold this year, just like the Olympics, but we're going to host an invitational for these top 20, top 30 athletes, and I think you could have alleviated a lot of the, you know, kind of, you know, uh, look, do I think the top 20 or 30 in the Open would have won anyway, statistically? Yeah, probably, but is there some guy that comes out of a national championship out of Africa that might be able to win? You never know, so... I, yeah. I, I kind of see both sides of it, but in regardless, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that you could have a lot. Of, this is going to be pretty epic.
1: If the, if the goal is to to cast a wide enough net to get the big fish through, I think that the top, I think the podium came through the open, right? I think the podium is still there. Um, you could really have a great argument for seven through 21 and the order would probably get all mixed Masked If you were allowed to bring in the other sanctional winners, um, you know, it's kind of funny the way it did pan out, but all the big names did get in. I don't think there's a, yeah, I don't think there's a big name that didn't. It was kind of crazy because, maybe, may valid, You know, it brings validity to the process that they're using. But the other thing with that is, like, if they don't call it the CrossFit Games, they don't crown fitness on Earth for this one. Well, then there goes the legitimacy of like them calling it that in the beginning years too, because in the beginning years it was only a small handful of athletes as well. There was no qualifying process there was no huge wide net it was literally just kind of like yeah um,
0: come to the fittest, ranch
1: it was the yeah. first people that could make it to the ranch and knew about this thing
0: yeah i mean that's that's a that's a fair argument too right
1: i mean and, but, look but what's crazy about that one too started is yeah. like if that worked too because like you can you won it that year and you continue to dominate in the sport so it's not like there was like this you know maybe the you know I just I, – I, I i give you a lot of credit because you won super early and you, for lack of a better term, like stuck around the podium. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like, so that's a lot of like validity to like what they were doing, you know. I yeah. know like uh, some of the earlier ones, you know, like Jolie Gentry and stuff like that, like um, were, were oh. like one and dones. But, um, yeah.
0: It, it, I'm excited to see you go back to the ranch. I, I am curious what's going to happen with – you know, how the overall appeal, though, from the age groups and the Masters. And maybe that's just not its across his direction. And that's fine, right? Like, it's wow. no problem. I, I just think that, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, um, 12, 13, 14, 15 at the Home Depot Center was just epic. I mean, dude, those are some great years. And yes. moving to Madison, the, you know, and where where do you think the sport's going to go, do you think other events such as Wadapalooza or whatnot? Now, speak about logistically. Oh my gosh, Wadapalooza has it tough with five thousand competitors. Right? Yeah, but where do you see the, the the from a sport perspective? Where do you think it's going to go? You think there's going to be more events that pop up, um, and maybe the games will become a little less prevalent? Um, I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, I, this and this is just my take as you know a coach and person that's been around the sport for a little for a little while, just like just like yourself. So I don't have any insight into what HQ is doing or anything else, but here's, it, it's, it's a great question. It's fun to talk about. Um, I think that's, this hurt the age groupers, you know, uh, emotionally hurt the age groupers. And, um, you know, the, the hard the hard truth of that is from an HQ, from a event standpoint, if you've ever been to the CrossFit games, um, the unfortunate, the unfortunate part is like, they're not, people aren't going to watch the masters and the teenagers. That's the unfortunate truth. Now, It's all of their friends, family, their people from their gym. It's a few hundred people. There's tens of thousands watching the individuals. And, you know, so I do think that there's going to be something else that rises up out of the ashes to help support the teens and the masters because they are a huge, particularly the masters. Um, We pulled some numbers. I think it's 54% of open registrants are masters. So over half of the competitive sport, is masters athletes. So for them to kind of just ignore them, I think is a massive miscalculation. But at the same time, what they might be doing is just allowing another thing to pop up and help support them.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting. I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, Oh yeah, CrossFit, you know, remove the age bracket. And someone's like, man, I think that's, this was their words. Oh, that, maybe that's foolish because there's no better marketing than seeing a 50 yes. year old jacked in tan at a party. And someone says, Hey, what are you doing? Totally. Like, oh, CrossFit, right? So, you know, and you don't want them to get to start feeling a little bit, um, maybe broken from CrossFit to say, oh, yeah, I do, I do, uh, you know, functional training, right? You mm-hmm. want them to still scream from the hilltops about the brand, but yeah, the future will be, you know, what it is, right? We'll see how it goes, and I think something will pop up. But switching gears a little bit from the games, because I, I you know, you know me, I, I love talking about the business of fitness. Um, you have CrossFit New England, you are also a partner, um, at Tilt. And I'm curious, you know, you and I spoke um, at Wadapalooza and we've spoken on the phone since then a lot, yep. but I'm curious from like a, a, where are you guys at in your business in this journey? Because you were the one of the, you know, early on before you were mandated to close, you chose Damn. to close. Um, I guess I'll start there. Do you think that was still a good idea looking back on it now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um i believe that we are, i don't know this but i believe we are the first crossfit gym in the united states to close um and the way i look at this is i kind of run my my business off of principles and um the idea is that what we are trying to do at a really high level is get people fit keep people, people healthy you know and we 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 create uh, um guideposts and a mission statement, things that we're really driving, driving towards. And they're, they're just, they're so far from just um, words to put on a poster or to write down into a, uh, a, a, a training manual.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: what we're trying to do is build a family of humble, hungry, happy people who kick ass in their nineties. Well, when you put that into perspective and lay that over the top of what's going on and what we're experiencing right now with these really weird, strange times, when we realize cause Massachusetts was hit hard and hit early um, there was a BioGen conference that um, nine people came out of super early. People in the town next to us were getting sick, um, and they closed one of the schools. It was a Thursday right before St. Patty's Day. Um, it was like March 13th or 14th, somewhere around there, and that was basically when the world kind of ended. Tom Hanks got you know <laughs> right, got it that right. Tuesday or something like that, and by Monday or Tuesday, Tom Hanks had it, and by um, Thursday, the world had completely changed. Um, we made the decision to close because. It's the health of our members that come above all of this. And we are willing to withstand the the short-term economic hit. And here's the deal is I've you know, when I came public with this that we're closing down, I can't, you know, a lot of people were like, Well, you can cause you can afford it. You could this is so separate from the economics of this thing. We're a CrossFit gym, just like everybody else is. We don't have like eight months of saved up cash flow that can just like be sit there and like. We're, we're cool, whatever. We had to make really, really hard strategic decisions to try to make ourselves or be able to survive this thing. And it was super scary. It was super emotional. Um, I thought we were going to lose the business for, you know, about a week and it, but that doesn't cloud the fact that I, that closing the gym to me was the right decision. We make really, really like we make really hard and fast, like lines in the sand. This is what we're going to do way ahead of time. So what we say is the most important thing in our organization is our team. By far and away, it's our number one thing is taking care of our employees. Number two is taking care of our members. Number three is the community. That's both the community that we live in and the CrossFit community at large. Number four is our partners. And number five is profit. Well, when you do it like that, the health of our members and coaches were at risk. Okay. I get that but we could stay open and kind of like make our way through this from an economic perspective. It doesn't like, no, one of our other principles be overly responsive and responsible. That means like when this thing happens, you gotta be overly responsible. It means right away, right when it happens, close the doors, overly responsive, overly responsive. And then from there, overly responsible. So what that means is what we figured out was, (laughs) it's kind of funny when we look back on this thing, but, we thought this was all going to happen in two-week increments. Do you remember that? Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I were talking about it.
1: Yeah, so we closed the gym. We're like, for two weeks, we're going to keep paying our staff for Yeah, here we
0: are nine weeks later. later.
1: Yeah, yeah, nine weeks later, exactly. So those are two things. Be overly responsive. Be, let's close down now. If there's a chance that somebody might get sick, let's close down now. And then from there, let's be overly responsible, and let's continue to pay our coaches. We stopped everyone's membership that day. Like, no one yeah. paid right then. So. um You know, when this thing went for longer than two weeks, we knew we'd be able to make it through the two weeks financially doing that. When it looked, when we came really quickly, the world changed and we knew it's going to be a lot longer than two weeks. That's where it got really stressful because we wanted to continue to do the right thing, but we also didn't want to lose the business. We had to make some pivots along the way.
0: Yeah. And I think you talk about doing the right thing. I think that's really uh, an interesting term to use, right? Because are you doing the wrong thing like what is the right thing is, is something that I've struggled with. Right. And just because you might deliver, um, challenging news doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. You're looking out for the future of your business. And so for us, when you and I were talking, it's like you closed, uh, I'll start here and then I'm going to come back on the money thing, but let's just start here. You closed preemptively because you felt, uh, for your safety of your members and your staff. Okay. Understood. Got that. Now. So if you, my my question, I'm sure other gym owners are probably thinking the same thing. If you place your personal opinion, right, of safety, because it is your personal opinion. Like, yep. I don't feel like there's safety. I'm going to shut down. I, I don't disagree with you, right? But now when the government says you could reopen, let's just say it's next week, right? Yep. How do you place your personal perspective to reopen if you... Or are you going to use the state guidelines now? I'm, I'm curious how that works. If you, yeah. if you didn't use the state guidelines to close, are you going to use them to
1: reopen? We're not going to use them to reopen. Okay. Yeah. That, the government doesn't, um, you know, it's similar to this. If I didn't feel like this was a, a real thing, um, I'd be doing a lot to try to keep my business open during this. But I do think it's a real thing. I know six people that have died from the coronavirus. So I know my neighbor works in a COVID unit. Like we're seeing this firsthand, like people we've had, I think it's 6,000 people in Massachusetts have died from this thing. Um, This is not like a small thing to me. Now, um, I understand that other people have not been affected by it. They don't know anyone. It's not real. It's like, it's media, it's politics. I get that. I totally get it. Um, If I was to reopen, and one of my members was got sick. Um, that's that's a hard thing for me to kind of swallow. So it's not a matter for me of what the government says. Of course, we're using government as a um, a guidepost. We we closed before the government said. We use schools as basically way more. I think schools are doing a much better job of this than the government are um, so- because government.
0: Yeah, Sorry. Uh, so, so if you, it, you said you're not going to use the government, you'll, you'll use it as a guide, of course. Right. I get that. Yep. Yep. But okay, let's just say um, two weeks from now, COVID cases seem to be under control. What, like, then do you feel like, and I think this is a really important question to ask you. I'm not trying to like put you on the spot, but I kind of yeah. am because, because you know, we chose to go off state and federal guidelines. And we are not opening our gyms for a variety of reasons, but mainly because we're not allowed to legally. Right. Yeah. And when we are allowed to legally, then we might push it out a little bit, just make sure we clearly communicate, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But let's just say you could open up tomorrow. How long do you think after that you'd feel comfortable with opening, regardless of the be, business side? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be off of the things, things you just said. It'd be off like the number of cases in Massachusetts, the, the flattening of the curve, and all of the rest. Um, it's the same reason I closed before they did, is because you, you're exactly right. You said that the, the word you used there was right, it was feel. Now people are like, well, what the hell? Like how can you, f-? people discredit the feel. Like your gut feeling should drive the majority of the decisions you make as a business owner. There is the limbic brain. There's the, there is the, uh, there is the, um, the amygdala, there's a prefrontal cortex. You can't just go off of one piece of information, which is the completely logical decision. Like when you get a bad feeling, like someone comes and wants to be hired by you. They meet all the requirements they have. Like their their resume is through the roof. Their their references are to the nines. They have they are the most accomplished coach you could ever possibly hire. But you have this gut feeling that they're just not right.
0: Right. It's probably you're not the best. No, it's probably
1: not the you're, right thing. You're feeling your gut. So it's the same thing. The government says this is what it is. This is where you are. This is what you can do. Before they said you could be open, and we said no because it doesn't feel. Right. Now I get that that's touchy feely. It's soft. It's gray. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. That's the way I, no, I, I,
0: I appreciate it, man. Like yeah. you're saying it like it is. And, and you that's and I have a little bit different perspectives there and I'm okay yeah. with that. Right. Um, in this particular case, right, we are, um, well, let me ask you this question. Do you see yourself opening, uh, July 1st?
1: I don't know. Probably not. I think that the way it's scheduled right now is in our we're last. So in Massachusetts, they do four phases and gyms are last.
0: Yeah. Same in California. There's three so, phases and we're last too.
1: So the the third phase though, the weird one is athletic fields. So if we do parking lot workouts, are we have athletic field? So we will, I mean, people are dying to get back to the gym. Like I get right. it. Like people want to get back. To, I want to get back to the gym. I miss people so much. Um, so we will, we'll phase in. Like I think most people are doing is like with parking lot workouts outside. We have a huge parking lot. We have street parking. Um, it's already lined off six feet apart. We can figure out the, the running loop. So the respiratory thing that people are talking about with the, the, the vapor trail, whatever it is. Yeah, is. Uh, we'll take the, as many precautions as we can and we will phase it in. We're not, July 1st, we will not be in the gym. Um, we will, I hopefully we're doing parking lot workouts by then.
0: Okay. And so when it comes to financials, um, you know, you shut down, you paid all your people for two weeks and you know, you're fortunate to do that. We did something ish. Um, and then at some point, right. Uh, we had to kind of draw a line in the sand and our line in the sand was if someone's working, we will pay them. If someone's not working, we can't pay them. And my, the reason why I felt that way is that, there was resentment being built up in the ranks because what was happening is you had some people maybe on our digital platforms or maybe coaching some Zoom, whatever, right? Or Facebook, whatever, that we were that they were working. And then you had other people that weren't working and we yeah, were paying everybody the same. And so resentment was getting built up because they were saying- That's,
1: that's communism.
0: Yeah, like what's <laughs> going on, right? And so yeah. that was one of the reasons why we drew a line and said, hey, look, if someone's working, we're going to pay them if someone's not enforcement to put them on furlough. We will continue to pay their health benefits or they could take PTO. There's a variety of things we did. Um how did that process look like for you? And then and then moving forward, we put everybody on hold. I know you did too. So we had a line there. Um then we asked people to opt in if they want. They had to tell us we didn't we didn't we didn't bucket everybody keep charging them. We chose that they had to tell us what they wanted. We had two options really okay. which was you know keep paying your current membership. We're going to refund it to you once we reopen like basically yeah. credit you. Or pay forty bucks a month for just our digital products. What did you guys do from a financial perspective after the hold? And then what did you guys do from your staff perspective?
1: Yeah, super consistent with what you did, which is so funny because when we were talking when this thing first started, it seemed like you were doing something and I was doing something else. But like in the long run, we're both doing it was it's the same thing. So people that are working, we continue to pay. We're paying them one hundred percent. People that aren't working went on furlough. Um, That's and they're still on benefits and all the rest. Yeah. That is, employees, that's exactly what we did. Um, and we you almost up-
0: had to, though. Just, just to be yeah. fair enough, to to us, it wasn't a good t- time, right? Yeah. But,
1: but so if we, you didn't… We tried, and, and we, we didn't just go like, um, we didn't just go like right to that. We, right. We, we went to a bunch of different things. We went from like 75% pay, 50% pay for everybody, half work hours for everybody. And it's just like, in this time, like certain people just didn't have any work hours. And other people, we were we were looking for more capacity. So what we did was exactly what you did. And it, the way it ended up was all of our coaches, um, all of our coaches are back full-time um, getting paid 100%. All of our coaches, all of our admin are furloughed.
0: And, and, and looking back on it, again, I want to look back two months ago. Would you have done it different? So you chose to pay people for two weeks and then maybe even 70%. We yep. did, um, I want to say we did like 10 days for everybody. And then based on certain things, we had like PTO, this and that. I think we made the right decision. I think we did what was right for the, especially the part-timers, but looking back on it for you, would you have done it the way you did? Or do you think you would have hypothetically cut it off a little earlier to save cash and these people sell opportunities of unemployment looking back? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, but hindsight's 2020 if we of knew course. exactly what it was going to be, but we didn't. So we were trying to like keep people as invested and as protected as they could along the way. Okay. So um, it was basically like when it was, you know, we went from these, like, this is going to happen in two week increments to like, Hey, this we're looking at, like, we're talking, let's talk about this in months or now we're talking about this in like seasons. So, um, you know, people are like, is it going to come back in the fall type thing? You know, school's shutting down, like it's a seasonal thing now. So, um, once it got to like stretched out enough, um, that's where we made the hard and fast. Cause we wanted consistency. We didn't want to keep coming back and like changing things up every X number of weeks. Right. Cause that's so, not fair
0: for you or for the uh, staff. Yeah, right? And they don't know. And so Um, Let's talk about that real quick. So with COVID maybe being a seasonal thing, this and that, who knows, right? Um, Vaccine, this, that. In your opinion, do you think that the fitness space, let's just talk about like traditional CrossFit gyms, and I have my own opinions on this, um, are changed forever in terms of digital. um, What do you think the role of virtual plays in terms of the new form of brick and mortar moving forward?
1: So I think the CrossFit space has been rattled. Um, I think this is, a, this is a massive hit to small businesses that are run um, as hobbies. And because they're run as hobbies, not as professional gyms, people don't take uh, as much um, – they don't give as much attention to their financials, as much fiscal responsibility as they might otherwise do if they were kind of running this as a, as a real business beyond like a, a hobby play. Um, a lifestyle business, so I think I, I I mean if this thing goes, you know everyone got like a nice little benefit from the government, um, you know surge that they they infuse in the economy with a pay, payroll protection and things like that. But outside of that, um, the government can't just keep on printing money. So I think that CrossFit gyms are going to take a hit for sure. Um, and then the ones that survive are obviously the ones that are going to be doing digital along the in in the interim. So, they continue to charge a membership. And then the question comes, which is what you're asking, which is a good one, is does digital stick and stay? Um, Is digital a part of the business model going forward? Here's my guess at this. And the answer is no. Because, kind of like every little, every Globo gym in every town doesn't have digital spin classes. Because there's one monster in the space that does it so well. They have the best coaches, the best technology, the best platform in the world. And there's no regional or, or um, loyalty in any which way to your home coach or home gym on digital. Because people are just going to navigate in, in right. the real world. It's like this gym's three miles from my house. So I'm going to go there. Right. I love those coaches. So I'm going to go there. I have a relationship in the digital space it's going to strip down all the barriers and you can go anywhere and everyone's going to go. So there, I think there will be a couple of providers that come out of this. Maybe it's NC fit um, that come out of this um, like head and shoulders above everybody else. And they, other people can't compete in space.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, my answer is,
1: but the long answer is yeah. yes, digital will come out of this, but not as a business model for regular CrossFit affiliates.
0: So I want to just shine like I, maybe I, I could help summarize or share my insight. I agree with you. I think that the gyms have used virtual as a bridge, a means to an end, yes. get us yes. from point A to point B, and then when you get back in the brick and mortar, rightfully so, right? But I'm, I'm very concerned for gym owners that want to put virtual at the top of our list for things that make them special. When they're not yeah. competitive, they don't have a competitive advantage. You know, you. I'm sure you talk about this all the time with your athletes. But for me, I always think like, what am I? What are my unique characteristics that we're uniquely good at that are going to allow us to win? Right? Become you know, uniquely good at a business and you know, you and I have been doing brick and mortar for a decade and we've all, we've had a digital play for a long time, but let's just take the regular gym owner. They've been focused on brick and mortar. it would be like if soul cycle wanted, or excuse me, if Peloton wanted to go open up brick and mortar, they're not gonna be able to compete as well as soul cycle and vice versa. And so we right. need to be careful not to get pulled into this trap. But I do think that where virtual will be really interesting is like this hybrid model where you have your brick and mortar uh, across the new England. But then CrossFit New England offers its members some type of like some type of something to engage with them if they're on the go or whatever. They're going to have something there. You know, maybe it's 20 workouts they have pre-recorded. Who knows what it is? But I think they're going to have – but it shouldn't become a key component of their business model. It should be an alternative addition to like the value add.
1: I like that. Yeah, I I think we're totally aligned on the vision of what's going to come out of this. Um, And to your point – like they'll come out of it with something, but I don't know what that something is. Like my wife Heather is like, Hey, like, I kinda like this Zoom thing because there's times like I'm trying to drop the kids off from school, go get a workout in, come back and be able to like get all this other stuff done. It's like she's busy throughout the day and like if I could just like come back to the house and be able to do it at the house with like but in a group dynamic, um, she's like there would be something there. So um we'll it's see. gonna be a piece of it. But it's not going to – I think people – I think everyone is, like, thinking, as you said, like, spinning it up into a big part, a top line um, on, on the, the business plan. I ju- I think that's misguided.
0: Yeah. I think – yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I think um, – one thing that I do think we have going for us, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. When we build out our model, um, we originally start off, like, bigger is better, bigger is better, just like, you know, most CrossFit yeah. gyms. Bigger is better, bigger is better. And then <laughs> over time, we're like, hey, maybe smaller – uh, more optimized space, more kind of shifting towards what Orange Theory had done, right? Yeah. As an example, but now, right? It's really interesting because I imagine the average CrossFit is let's just say like 400 square, 4,000 square feet, and I imagine the average CrossFit has like 150 members. Let's just say, right? So from a space perspective, they should be more than fine, and so I'm curious if CrossFit gyms will actually have a unique advantage because they're more warehouse-based and more big, big space, smaller class compared to like an orange theory or an F45 or a soul cycle that was based on smaller space, more people. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Do you think actually the more strength and conditioning, bigger box gyms might actually be able to come out of this and thrive? Cause the orange theories won't be able to accommodate and maybe hit the revenue potential they needed to. I'm just curious your thoughts there. You know what I mean? So you're saying
1: like when people come out of this, they're going to want to be social and they're going to flock to the in real life stuff. Um, and then basically there's, there's a cap to how may, how many people orange theories can get in the door whereas we can we can accommodate we can, more
0: and yeah. or in orange theory they might not even be able to sustain because their model was built on accommodating 30 people per class but if that number now drops to 15 and their rents and expenses oh, and franchise yeah, yeah. fees stay the same i'm curious how many of them will leave compared to traditional crosses. i'm just,
1: yeah. you know
0: cuz how many crossogens you know that are like at peak capacity every class all the time. Very few, and so I'm curious if that actually yes, plays well. in our favor moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, potentially. I I, I don't know the business model of Orange. Theory. I've actually never even been to an Orange Theory. Um, I've been to a Barry's Bootcamp. Yeah. Um, and very very similar in terms of the business model, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's interesting. I I um those are a lot in a lot more prominent locations. They're more in like retail fronts. It's like they might be running more. To your point, if during this time, if they lose X number of percentage of their membership, and by the way, I don't think that they have the loyalty that CrossFit gyms too, so I don't think people are paying while they're not going to a Barry's camp or an Orange Series or something like that. I, that's no, they're just, not. Yes, because it's transactional. It's like you go in, you come out, you, like, you say how to the coach, you have your coach that you like, but no one's building really strong relationships. We have people that have not taken this, I mean, every CrossFit gym has this going on right now where people are not doing the zoom classes. They're just continuing their membership out of support for what we stand for, for what we've done over. I mean, that's just so cool. And that's honestly, that's the reason that we're able to stay alive more than anything else is because of those members. And I think that that's the massive difference between what we do and what they do is we've created this, this community, this yeah,
0: the allegiance. And, and, and yeah. I'm curious. So speaking of work, the work, I'm, I'm curious, I'm, in the next, you know, I don't know, six months. Um, do you think the brand value? Do you think CrossFit, the term, will? Um, I'm curious where you see where you see where do you see CrossFit affiliates going? Do you think there's gonna be deaffiliation? Do you think they're not going to see the value in three thousand dollars because they're struggling? What percent of CrossFit gyms do you think might go out of business? Twenty percent? I'm just curious on that on that front.
1: Yeah, you know, when this first happened, I thought that um, a, a big percentage of gyms might go go away. Um, but to the point of um, the support that they're getting from their communities, I don't think we're going to see as much of uh, um, a shrinkage as we might have seen otherwise. Um, yeah. You know, if it was true, true economics and people were not paying while they weren't there, I think it would have been big. I think it would have been a massive change for the CrossFit. I mean, because we're small businesses, the average small business only has twenty seven days of free cash flow to pay for expenses. that means that if revenues stop coming coming in and expenses stay, they're out of business in a month so um I get it. you can furlough employees and that can extend you can look for rent relief and that can extend it but we're bumping up against three months right now as we speak that's we're getting pretty thin so had members not stepped up the way that they have in our space, I think we would have seen you know potentially a quarter to a third of the gyms go away. Yeah. Um and I from the little bit of research that we've done, it seems like the majority of those are going to be first and second year affiliates. Um they haven't built up the user base and they haven't built up the the um the loyalty from their members. Um and those are the ones that I think are going to get hit the hardest. Um the ones That um, have existed in that kind of like three to six year range, um, seem to be okay, and then the ten year plus affiliates, um, from what we've seen, just uh, I think are going to weather the storm, even if the storm goes uh, quite a bit longer than we expected.
0: Now, did you were you able to get? Did you negotiate with your landlord for rent? And do you think you do you think CrossFit gyms will need to? Do you think CrossFit gyms to um, remain sustainable will need to have? a reduction or adjustment in rent because their revenue potential might be decreased because they can't accommodate as many people in the gym. So have so, you talked yeah. to your landlord and do you believe?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got this from you. You, you, when one of our conversations, you were like, have you asked for rent relief? And I was like, what the hell is rent relief? And you walked me through. It, like, so yes. So what we've done is I think we got, um, it's here, two or three months. Um, Where we don't have to pay rent, but then what's gonna happen is um, when we go back, that's gonna be added in on top of our regular rent. And it's a fair deal because that's what the bank is doing for their mortgage. So the landlord has a mortgage that they have to pay to the bank. Well, the bank is giving relief to the landlords in that same vein. You don't have to pay a mortgage for three months. After that, your mortgage, we're gonna take those three months and just put it in addition over the next. 12 months, um, so it's going to be a little bit more, but we'll be back in business. Revenue will be coming in. So um, it's another way, again, of like you have to survive. Th- you have to survive.
0: Yeah, and so just so, just on that note too, what we're doing is we're waiting until we get word from um, our governor in California in particular um, on when we can reopen. And let's just say in the state of, um, you know, in Massachusetts, for example, they say, uh, uh, I don't know, July 1st. Once they give that in California, then we're going to go back to our landlords and we are going to go negotiate. This is, this is our tactic. And I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm just letting you know, we haven't, we haven't paid the last couple months or whatever. Right. But then our tactic is, Hey, we now have clear communication from governor Newsom that we could open on this date. We have not been open for this many months and with these new protocols. So. The thing is I can't go negotiate for my new rent until I understand what are my restrictions going to be because if the restrictions aren't that dramatic, then your negotiating power might decrease. But the restrictions are pretty dramatic. Let's just say it's on
1: six people in the class,
0: whatever. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my landlord and be like, look, bro, I don't have revenue. Right. My revenue potential. When I signed this lease was here, right? I estimated a million dollars a year. Now it's here. And, um, so that's what we're doing. And I'll keep you apprised of what that looks like. But once we, once, once we get word of when we can reopen and what the rules are going to be, then we're going to go back and try and say, hey, for us to be here for the next 5, 10, 20 years, whatever, we need to see some adjustments. And I'm hoping they'll be willing to work with us.
1: Yeah, I think that the take-home message there for any affiliate owners that are listening um, is that you're a, you're a value to your landlord. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're, you're an asset you are, and this is important. You are an asset. Once, if you leave, they now have a liability. You're an asset in terms of like, you have rent coming in. Um, you are paying like, they want you to be there. Um, vacancy cost is a real thing for landlords that it's, um, it's really expensive to own a building. Cause they have to continue to pay mortgages and taxes and a, a lot, um, other stuff. They they want you there. They want you there. So don't think that you don't have any bargaining power. Um, I love what Jay's saying. I'm going to, um, I'm going to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. And uh, last note, um, a little bit more financial driven, a little bit more business driven is, you know, I know some of these gym owners gotten, gotten some trouble with, uh, not in trouble. I shouldn't say that. It's a challenging time with the PPP because the PPP payroll protection plan is, you know, look, we have a team of accountants and finance guys that are helping us because we're at that size of company where it's, we have someone to help me if I was owner operated, it'd be a little bit tougher, especially if you did everybody has 1099, which we've been telling people not to do for a long time. But if you 1099 all your employees, your payroll protection might've shifted. You might not have gotten much, if anything at all. Yeah. And so with the PPP, we are looking at it as a loan that needs to be proven to be forgiven. What has your experience been with the PPP and what advice do you have for any gym owner in particular on that?
1: Uh, My experience has been a lot of, um, ambiguity a lot of uncertainty a lot of um change along the way um so we applied for it really early um we applied for it along with a couple other things and um they were so fast to come out with it that um the laws hadn't been in the regulations hadn't been written yet right. we were already applying we're <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like crossfit right like we started like competing in crossfit before the, the rule book came out <laughs>
0: right you know? right
1: so we didn't even know what the rules are.
0: Yeah. Like, um, hey, so can we- you do that?
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we, uh, so we applied for it. We did get it. Um, but yeah, now it's like another level of uncertainty again, because honestly, we don't, you know, we honestly don't know. It's worth, it's gotta be the same thing. Like this, there's a very good chance that this is not going to be forgiven. It's going to turn into a loan. Um, that's a real threat that we have to um, be prepared for. Um, we're doing everything we can to be like, buttoned up and buy the book, but who knows? I mean, it almost seems like once they started handing these, handing these things out, they realized that um, they had to give out way more than they planned. So they made the, the requirements so much more restrictive to, to be, make it a forgivable loan that I think a lot of people are not going to be able to do it. And it is going to be a loan. The government's going to get their money back.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the big takeaway from what you just said um, is you got to go do your homework. If you're a gym owner out there and you took money from the government through the PPP, you have to understand two major things. Number one is it's payroll protection plan. So it's not to be used only a small percentage of it can be used for rent and expenses and whatnot. It needs to be used to pay people instead of them going on unemployment. So we got to look at the heart of the deal. And then secondly, it's a loan at a 1% interest that's paid off over two years that needs to be proven to be forgiven. And I think that you're hitting the nail on the head. There's a lot of, you know, if this deal got struck at midnight on a Thursday and they released it on Friday and there was a lot of, you know, stuff to figure out. And I'm not blaming that on anybody, right? They're just trying to get work done. But I think for any owner that has it, one thing that I'm doing, and I don't know if you are as well, any money we're using from PPP – we're assuming that's money that we would have spent anyways because if it isn't forgiven, we're not going to be shooting ourselves in the foot that you go and spend yeah. frivolously. Is, is yeah. that kind of way you're attacking it?
1: I, you know, I, so um, the honest answer is we have a gym manager that's kind of taking the lead on this. So I am Perfect. not in the, in the, I don't have the, the up to date on the exact requirements, but my understanding is that it, like 80% of it needs to be used for payroll in the next like yeah. 80 days or something. No, like it's 60.
0: That. It's, it's, it's through June third. It's through the end of June.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why we, that's why we were able to bring all of our coaches back to a hundred percent. That's the reason we did that is because right. we have, to, we have to.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> in times,
1: in and We have to, in a good way. It's like,
0: yeah, you know,
1: the, 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 the you know, what the government's doing there, I believe is a really good, they're putting, they're protecting a lot of the, um, employees yeah. instead of what they did in like 2008 and 2009, where they just like gave hundreds of millions of dollars to CEOs of corporate banks. Like that yeah. does nothing to help out the economy at all. These guys got severance packages when they should have been going to jail. You know, it's <laughs> like, as opposed to this, it's like, it's going right back to the workers, which is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. And so I think there's a lot more to unpack. Um, I think you and I should keep discussing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear what will come out of this. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, maybe you could speak to this. Um, you know, you you talk about inflection points, and 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 th- this is an inflection point for everybody. Meaning, like it's a moment, it's a make or break. And to your point, if you're a hobbyist, if you're in the wrong business, maybe it's guiding you towards where you should be going. And maybe that wasn't to be a gym Maybe it is, right? But if you're an entrepreneur, I can't help but be fired up and excited right now. And, you know, is that kind of how you're feeling too? Like through the chaos, there's opportunity?
1: So, yeah, I love that, Jay. Um, So I was kind of saying like when this thing first happened, um, it brought me right back to like the first six months to a year of being an entrepreneur where you are like fighting for your survival. And it is like an adrenaline rush. There was, like, a two-week period where I didn't leave, like, I I was, like, just, I didn't leave my computer because, like, I was so, I, I like, beautiful mind, the the whiteboard, and, like, put up all this stuff, and, like, it was constant, um, and I loved it. I loved I loved it. X, your I loved back that. was
0: up against the wall, man. And you yeah. gotta overcome the adversity. Yeah, I get it.
1: So I was scared at the beginning and I like um got to the point where I didn't cry, not that there's anything wrong, but I got close. I was emotional. I thought I was gonna lose the business. <laughs> yeah. And then and then it was the point where like it was all of a sudden it was like it was like it flipped. You know, like it does like you like like maybe like if you if you don't make the games one year and you're, like, Fuck, and you're like you're pissed off, you're sad, and then you're like and then the the switch flips and you're like Damn it! Let's go! Like let's do this! Like and that's kind of what it was. It was like scary. Like oh my gosh, this woe is me! And then all of a sudden it flips. It's like let's go! I have you know, thirty employees. We have you know three hundred and you know eighty um, members at CFNE and all across all the other gyms. Like we, they, we. It's not just about me anymore. Like it's like we. Got, I gotta bust it. And man, I loved being back up against the wall again. I yeah. loved it yeah also because like you me, we've been around a little bit we've kind of diversified like there's a lot of different things that like you know you have your family that I know you care so much about you know amrap mentality and you know you have you have your all these other things that you're looking to do um you know from the podcast and all the other things, and also now it's like narrow focus, it's like get the business, like make the business survive, so I thrive having multiple things going on at once. That's the way my brain works. I love coaching lead athletes. I love coaching at my affiliate. I love running my affiliate. I love running multiple affiliates. I love being as good a dad as I freaking can be. I like writing books. I like having podcasts. I like having comp train. I like doing all these different things. But for a month, it was singular focus.
0: Yeah. And, and there's something to be said focus, about it.
1: Yeah. I like, man, like for a short time, I loved yeah, I loved it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, I watched the team step up. I watched, it, it, it was really, and, and I was talking about this the other day and I'm sure I mean, you and I probably rely on this really well. I think overcoming adversity is really important in life and you could overcome it in so many different ways and through workouts and whatnot. But if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, and you get through COVID, right? And you thrive out of it. Imagine the confidence that you've built knowing that you went up with your back against the wall, your business is in this dire straits and you and your team navigated it accordingly. That's going to be something that, especially for a younger entrepreneur, we're probably not going to have to overcome again, you know, hypothetically. Right. And I just think it does a lot of powerful things for the business owner because that's something you could always fall back on in a tough time. You know, I'm sure you, you, you've probably seen that with athletes, of, of course, but it plays the same thing with business.
1: I've told, I've told my team, um, we're going to be telling stories about this time forever. Yeah. This is it guys. This is, we're in it. This is where everything that we do gets put to the test. And if we come out of this thing, you know, with the right mentality, with the right approach and having feel like we did the right thing, um, we're going to be telling stories about how this developed us more than anything else ever would. This is, let's have some hindsight in the present moment like this is a really powerful time um let's lean into that adversity
0: yeah that's cool i love it well ben um i really appreciate your time we've dove in a number of different things but i think um you know, your perspective is always really appreciated i want to get back on once the gyms once we get back open i'm curious what that looks like you know right now we're kind of i don't want to call it a holding pattern it's not fair but, you know, I think it's important to always talk about what we're doing, right? Not hypotheticals. And so we're both kind of waiting for more information. Yeah. Um, that's why I wanted to talk to you about what you did and if you had learned anything from it, because God forbid this happens again. What, what did we learn from that first time around? Right. And so, um, you know, if, if, if people want to see more of Ben Bergeron, um, obviously, you know, you have your book, you have your podcast on um, Comp Train, the gyms. I mean, you said it, but where should people go?
1: Yeah, I mean, comptrain.co is kind of the the thing that people are kind of latching onto. Um, and then personally, it's uh, Ben Burge on ins- Instagram.
0: Beautiful. Well, brother, we really appreciate your time. I uh, before we started recording, I saw the kids jumping out there on the trampoline, so yeah. we'll make sure you get back to it. And uh, I look forward to catching up again soon.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Jack.